Good afternoon, good morning, or good evening, and welcome to the American Age Podcast. This is your host, C. Travis Webb, editor of the American Age, and I am speaking to you from Irvine, California. Hi, I'm Stephen G. Fullwood. I am the co-founder of the Nomadic Archivist Project here in New York City, and I live in Harlem, and it's a nice day. Mm. I'm Seth Rodney. I am the opinions editor at the Hyperallergic blog, and I am speaking to you from sunny-ass Newburgh. <laughs> <laughs> this is to remind our listeners that we practice a form of what we like to call intellectual intimacy, which is giving each other the space and time to figure out things out loud and together. And we are continuing our conversation on dystopias. Um, you know, last time we talked about films. Um, and uh, today we're going to move into contemporary dystopias um, and kind of let the conversation go from there. Um, uh, Stephen, Seth, uh, what do you think? Contemporary dystopias. I feel like I'm missing some piece of it. Like, Seth, didn't you just say there's a, we're contemporary dystopias and there's another piece of it that we talked about? Well, so, just uh, just comparing our time now to the Cold War. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Right, right, right. Yeah. So, Seth, could you start? Because I actually wanted to hear more about what you suggested or you put up in our last episode about this dystopian mm. frame of mind, which I find mm. very useful. And then finding the places because of the mindset. Mm -hmm. I'm not sure what I was thinking of uh, the last time we spoke, but what is actually coming to mind now is how there may be sort of pockets of dystopia in the world that are uh, in, in which the life chances of people are severely limited. Um, and I'm thinking of the things like what's happening with the Rohingya in Myanmar or what's happening to the Uyghur population in China. Mm -hmm. um, I think that in those places, uh, it must seem like there isn't a lot of light. There isn't a lot of hope. Um, I mean, these people are basically on the go. And for Armenians, um, certainly um, dealing with the sort of um, um, slow slide into cultural genocide being carried out by Azerbaijan, that, you know, they, these places must feel quite dystopian. Um, um, but, I, you know, I, 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 I am hesitating to talk about this because the truth is I just don't know that much about these um, situations. Mm -hmm. And here, like, here uh, obvious, like another obvious example that I should not gloss over is um, the situation with Palestinians in the state of mm -hmm. Israel. Like that's, that's, whew, that's brutally dystopian. Um, I just mm -hmm. read... A story, Stephen and I are doing an, an uh, editing an anthology together, and we've been catching up this week, uh, with, uh, with the essays, uh, due for mm -hmm. that. And one of them comes from my coworker, Hakeem Bushara, who works with me at Hyperlogic, and he talks about growing up, I want to say it was in the West Bank or something, and he talks about the homes of his Palestinian neighbors and, um, compatriots being leveled to make way for these high rises mm. um it high rise israeli settlements that he says he could look that every day he would have to look and he would have to look at them from his parents mm. window so that's got to feel also like mm -hmm. brutally dystopian mm -hmm. yeah it reminds me of a uh, 
the your description of those various places reminds me of um, there's this movie, pretty bad movie, but it was in uh, with Mimi Rogers in the 80s or 90s called The Rapture. And it was about the rapture, you know, the Christian rapture. And, um, mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. Mimi Rogers is, uh, is you know, this kind of debaucherous woman. And she was uh, fine ra- back in the day, by the way. Yeah, 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 yeah. So, <laughs> for sure. Yeah. She was hot. Uh, yeah. And so uh, the uh, the rapture comes and mm-hmm. the world, the, dr- the trumpet starts blowing and, you know, the seventh trumpet is going to be, you know, <laughs> all, the, all the just are brought up to heaven or whatever. It's a great mm-hmm. premise for a movie, uh, you know, maybe mm-hmm. not for uh, an eschatology, but it's definitely a great premise <laughs> for a movie. But, uh, and uh, at the end, uh, she she's decided that... Um, you know, basically she can't, um, I, I'm, I'm forgetting the, the, some of the plot points, but basically the, the end is the most important part, which is relevant to what we're talking about, which is that all of the just have been brought to heaven and mm. yes. the people mm-hmm. that who, who remain behind mm-hmm. uh, are not in hell, but they're in purgatory. Mm-hmm. And yes. the judgment of purgatory is that you can see heaven. And so you can see heaven, but never enter it for mm. all eternity for the Ooh. rest of you, for the rest of your your existence. Mm. So yes. that I have, I feel like something like that captures what it must be like to live in a contemporary dystopia that's on the underside of capitalist progress, right? So mm-hmm. all these, and we've talked about this on the podcast, and I've defended this before. You know, all of these great wonders that you know of the last one hundred and fifty years. But we have to be honest about the fact that there are significant pockets is, is kind of, uh, is understating it. There yes. are, mm-hmm. there, there are domains where mm-hmm. those wonders do not visit and right. mm-hmm. from which you can see everyone else's toys, everyone else's high rises, mm-hmm. everyone else's cars and mm-hmm. Elon Musk's project to to you know uh to go to mars wire yeah wirelessly connect the world go to mars etc so i mean mm-hmm. yeah those that I, I think that fits pretty squarely into your description of a dystopia i mean that that mm. is what that must be like for mm. millions tens of millions mm-hmm. of people. Mm. so i'm gonna take a different tact with this idea of a dystopian sensibility i'm going to go to the influencers <laughs> Hmm. <laughs> okay. So on the one hand, they are firmly within, largely within, not all of them, within the idea that if you simply bought this thing, things would change. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. It's about selling things. It's a hustle mm-hmm. culture. It's mm-hmm. the um, slick oil, you know, oilsmen of the of the snake oil salesman. Yeah. Snake oil. Yes. Yes. Thank you. <laughs> yes. That's like slick yeah. oil, snake oil. <laughs> but there is a. So it so you've seen the sort of prototypical um, um, hip hop video where everyone's partying all the time, everyone's drinking, everyone's super happy. They're all around all, the pool, the big cars. All I do is win. <laughs> all I do is win. So we just had a very <laughs> a very painful lesson in the Trump administration, and all I do is ever win. When you're watching mm. everything sort of crumble around him, mm. that kind of thing, right? And mm. the um, but I was thinking about influencers as a um a way to understand how what we think is possible, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so they're not really trying to shake up any system or even critique mm-hmm. any system. It's largely about what they can sell you, right? And then there are the influencers who are selling you um, 
as this one, uh, what is it called? Conspirituality, disaster spirituality, right? Mm. <laughs> so there's I don't that. know what I don't I don't know what this is. What is explain what yeah. that is? So yeah. the um conspirituality is a podcast, three white white um Canadian guys who are really just these dope guys that take on um conspiritual con- take on spirituality folks who deal in conspiracies and the interconnectedness of someone who does yoga but at the same time as a Nazi. Ah, at the same great. time as an anti-vaxxer. Yeah. It's an amazing right, right. podcast. Those people must be in Southern California, I'm, I have mm-hmm. to say. Or oh, Florida. Well, they're everywhere in the they're everywhere in the world, actually. Of I mean, course, they talked about India. They talked about you know the anti vaccine yeah. there and how you could just yeah. do yoga and get rid of COVID or protect yourself against COVID. Wow! So, wow. so for me, when I heard the word conspirituality, it's like ten years old, according to mm-hmm. you know. This, and I was like, I'd never heard of it before, but mm-hmm. I just never thought that these things could intersect the way that they do. But what's mm-hmm. driving them is this idea. For me, it's more than just capital. It's that there is no future. Hmm. You got to mm, yeah. get on now. You've got to mm, yeah. get it on now. And mm. so that was something I, I recognized, but wasn't able to articulate very well when I would see rap videos. Like, why is everybody always fucking partying? Mm. Why? But it's not simply just hip hop videos, rap videos. This is a um, a feature of our culture that just gets larger and larger. And because mm. we have more media, we can see it more. And people do this kind of celebratory kind of thing where. <laughs> I'm just like, I don't know what you're so happy for. Because you really aren't. You know? <laughs> and I'm not a Debbie Downer by any chance. Did you know that so many people are dying everywhere? I'm not that guy. I'm just going, that's not entertaining to me. And it's not entertainment mm, to me. It feels yeah, like a distraction. Yeah. And so I brought in Conspirituality, that podcast, because I like the, the ways that they've sort of explored the ways, like I said, the intersections between spirituality of single-minded, I'm going to do this for me. I'm taking care of my body. What are you doing? Um, I, if I take care of my body, then I won't get viruses. Nonsense. Mm-hmm. Right. Serious nonsense. So they track right. all these people right. and these movements and then kind of re- come back and report on the three guys. Mm-hmm. And I really like what they do. I was like, you guys are awesome, you know, because, because I think that it's easy to sell us a remedy for something. Very mm-hmm. easy right now. I think the, um, something that a friend of mine wrote, Haru Kuti wrote in his book, Conjuring Black Funk, Notes on Culture, Sexuality, and Spirituality, Volume 1. There's an essay, a very short essay called Monogamy is a Must, a Postmodern Neocolonial Imperative, in which he was sort of like thinking about why are people so hung up on monogamy? And he realized that there were just certain specific things that he looked around him and he goes, this is why. Because there's a lack of fidelity in institutions, a lack of fidelity in religious institutions. There's a lack of accountability. Mm. The multinational corporations that roam around the world and deprive people and leave cities in in the wake, you know, in bad ways, you know. But mm-hmm. but they stop people from having full lives. And I thought about it. I was like, oh yeah, because this person right in front of you, he, she, or they, they better do you right. Because mm. where's the other fidelity? And I think it's an interesting argument mm. because because who. I don't want to get too far off of field what I'm what I want to say because I have all these other octopusian ideas <laughs> coming out these tentacles, <laughs> um, but I think influencers offer us a good way to sort of think about how what we think about what's possible, and I think they're very dystopian. I think they're exceptionally dystopian. I think that they are people who are not anticipating the future mm. in any manner, shape, or form. I think that they are much more. 
mm. not egregious, but just more insulting to me than the, the hip hop videos of partying and pouring champagne over the naked girl or whatever. I'm thinking at least they're a little, they're a little more apocalyptic, <laughs> but the influencers feel like they're selling you something. I think they're a little slicker. I think they're much more slicker. Mm. Yeah. You know, yeah. Uh, Kylie, I love it, actually. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, yeah that's where I wanted to yeah, go with that. Cause it. I was, well, it's kind of a reversal, right? Like what you're saying is essentially you can see the dystopian ness in the sort of mm. overly ambitious, almost desperate need to say this moment right now is the most fun we are going to have possible. And there is no like, all we need to do is just be in this moment of pouring champagne, of, of, of hanging out with the, um, with the, what is the name of, the, what is that particular Rolls Royce that, um, Beckham has in like, Las yeah, Las I don't know what kind of car. I don't know what car. Okay. Are. Like a Maybach <laughs> or whatever. A Bentley or whatever. A Bentley yeah, the or Bentley. a BMW or, or something. Yeah. Maybach. Yeah. That, like, so like that, this moment of having the most sort of, what's the word I'm looking for? Prominent symbols of success. Yes. Right? The champagne, the mind yes. like the, the woman who is the um, upcoming um, video starlet, like all mm-hmm. of these things that we have in this moment um, point to the fact that we're going to have nothing tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> like, nada. Yeah. Yes. I Mm -hmm. I think, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm with you. I love the conspirituality. I'd never heard that word before. It's, it's a, it's a great intersection of those two things. I think, um, which makes perfect sense to me. Um, Mm -hmm. I would, I do, I probably would want to hedge and not go too far with it because, Mm -hmm. you know, sort of hedonism has been with us for a very long time. And, Mm -hmm. and it's the balance that seems, so misaligned at this point in contemporary Mm. American culture, you know, youth culture itself in the 21st century is all about what you just described. The sort of, Oh yeah. yeah. Everyone is, is always partying all the time. It's, you know, sort of happiness on tap or, you know, at least the representation of that. Um, No. uh, Yeah. It's a great seller. Sorry. I apologize. I was thinking. So when I, when I think about hedonism in that way, I'm not thinking about punk culture. I'm not thinking of cultures that produce a critical analysis and sometimes a movement about the very thing itself. I'm Mm, talking about something very different. I think Mm. think, I'm still thinking it through. Yeah. No, no, I I I agree with you. Hedonism is so Mark Fisher, this uh, philosopher guy I was telling you about before, The Ghost mm. of My Life, the book that I'm reading and a couple of others mm. of his right now, this idea of our music looks tells us something about what we expect or our culture does. Mm. And so what do the influencers in a gross sort of generalization, what are they telling us about this moment, about uh. what's possible? And it takes too long <laughs> to acquire these things through hard work in the sort of culture that we live in now. So mm. it's the representation of these things. It's this mm. is a simulacra, mm-hmm. the representation yeah, sim- of something. Yeah. Yeah. It's, As a, opposed it's a copy. To the- it's a copy without an original. A simulacra is a copy without an original. Ah, a copy without original. And so shit, I need to go back and play with that some more then. That is Well, I'm thinking of yeah. like the, the 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 Instagram 
um, sorry, feed that you told me about the other day, um, Stephen. Influences, Influences in the wild. wild. Yeah, I keep looking at it's that. <laughs> it is great. I keep looking at brilliant. that, and, and and now that that image, the last image in um, that I uh, that I have is uh, about uh, from that feed is of these women, three women on the beach in bikinis. And mm-hmm. one has the iPhone and she's like down on her knees and she's like framing the other two and the other two are like, they're not, they're not, they're sort of got their backs to the camera and they're kind of turning around provocatively and coquettishly and, and, you know, trying different poses. And then they're like fixing their bikini bottoms to make sure that like, you know, the, the curve is and the, and the, mm-hmm. and the fabric is kind of perfect. And, and, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. um, yeah, it's that, and they're framing that moment to sell to other people. And to, in some ways to sell themselves, to say, you know, this, we're like, we're in the, you know, prime of our lives. We're on the beach. The wind is blowing. There's sun. We're having a great time. And they're also selling it to other people to say, like, this is the life that, that, that that is available. If you just, I guess, I don't know. I don't, I don't like what buy or makeup, workout, um, whatever, get new teeth, self care, bigger boobs, big dick, big ass. Oh, right. And so self care has been co opted. Yeah. (laughs) It's just at one point, just go take a nap. And now it's like, you know, self care. Mm -hmm. I'm taking, you're so busy telling people you're taking care of yourself. Are you really taking care of yourself? Why are you Mm -hmm. on? Telling me, I don't need to, what? <laughs> right, right, right. I should not see you self-care. You should be blackout, media blackout, you know, social media blackout. That's my think anyway. But I want to go back to something you said earlier, Travis, about hedonism. Hedonism strikes me as being a, a very, a very marketable thing to do because it, mm-hmm. because, I mean, so when I was younger, I remember wondering why we were listening to 60s music in the 80s. Mm. <laughs> Um, and it was because those people, it le- occurred to me, no, it didn't occur to me, actually I read it, and that was that people were becoming of eight, in their 20s and they were in their 40s, and they were looking at, that was the music you would hear in car commercials or in other things, because it was there to sort of kind of, yeah, I remember what it felt like to be younger and listening mm. to Missing Persons mm. or Billy Idol and that, that, that. But it was also a way to sort of like, don't you want that again? <laughs> Buy this car. Buy this appliance. <laughs> Go out, you know? And it made me think that desire is such an str- interesting thing to use to get people on board um, to really go to the, um, what do you call it? It's the mad men thing. You know, it's the, the people mm-hmm. psychology. Make people feel bad about themselves. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Make people feel bad about themselves or that they need things that they don't really need. Mm-hmm. And then yeah. the corporations build products that don't last for very long, mm-hmm. that, you know, the plant obsolescence. And so you've got mm-hmm. this whole thing where people are constantly being led around by their nose about what it is they think they need to just mm-hmm. feel good. Mm, just yeah. to feel good. And that, and it's not without context. It's all con- contextual about not just the thing that's happening to the people, but what are you not focusing on that you could be focusing on, you know, or developing a sensibility about your imagination about a different kind of way of living outside of yeah. capitalism. Which, which, which is um, really kind of essentialized in that moment right at the very end of Mad Men, where he, where Don Draper goes to that commune, I guess, in Southern California mm-hmm. somewhere. Mm-hmm. And everybody's sitting on their yoga mats and they're sort of, um, they, they're actually kind of, I mean, he's, he's riffing on the hippie movement where people are actually trying to develop 
different, some would say maybe radical ways mm-hmm. of um, creating community, of interacting mm-hmm. with each other. Um, spirituality really comes into play in, in, the, in that moment of counterculture, hippie sort yes. of search for meaning. And they totally co-opted by yes. developing a song <laughs> to sell a sugary soft drink. I'd like to teach the world to sing, world to sing. In perfect, in harmony. perfect harmony. I'd like, I'd like to buy the world a Coke. So the fucking I'm company. with you. Yeah, I'm 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 with you on on that analysis to a point. Mm-hmm. And then and then my emergency break kicks in and my emergency shoot deploys. Mm-hmm. And and mm-hmm. I and it just starts to sound like, you know, aren't we so pretty for thinking so? Like I don't mm. I, I you know I don't know that there is any human pursuit that is not temporary, vanishing, and vain. And I don't, I, I don't, mm. I don't mean it in a cynical way. I, I don't mean it that way because I mm-hmm. think there's another. I think there's another move to take. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. The, the, you know, the idea that there is an authentic sort of community quest for. Mm. Mm. realization and growth and spiritual awakening. Mm-hmm. I am deeply skeptical of. I think you should be. You should I, be. I, I yeah. think that there is one way to come to any kind of um anything lasting and any kind of truth and that is alone and the path is hard and it's not mm. easy. And you got to figure it out for yourself and you can't ever get there with a bunch of other people in a bunch of like sort of matching clothes or slogans or, or acronyms or any of that mm-hmm, stuff. Mm-hmm. I, I just, mm. I don't believe it. And I, I don't. So I think all of it is, you know, sort of where we're at with our in-group and out-group, you know, like we have our in-group mm-hmm. people that are kind of, that are, are ethical and virtuous and chasing, you know, BIPOC teachers or whatever it might be. And then we've got our out group and those people are chasing Jesus and whatever. And the simple fucking truth is, is that you can't chase any of that stuff as a group and that, and that you can only, you can only bring back very, very tiny, tiny, insignificant jewels from that other place where you find wisdom and they're just for you and they're not for anyone fucking else. Hmm. That's just terrible for society. I'm not an advocate for either the in or the out group. And my life is a testament to the in the out group. You know, it's like, but I want to say this. Get out of here, you not gay guy. Get out of here, you not all the way black guy. Get out of here, you. I mean, it's a testament to that. So, but my brain, initially when you started, Travis, I was like, oh, yeah, I think it's the individual. And I think philosophers have, like, noted that and other um, people have done it as well. It just feels so... Much. I remember when I started going to undergrad, I remember being so disappointed my first year that it wasn't more like the 60s, that people weren't out mm. thinking about stuff. <laughs> right, it was right, just, a, right. it was a high school. It was another high mm. school. And I was like, this is so depressing. Mm. But, but my, but my desire for a group at that time just continued to explode. You know, just every group I got into, if you, you had to keep a small council, a short, mm. like a group, because the larger group was not interested in your ideas. Mm. <laughs> Do you know? I found, I found a similar thing, and I was, I remember being shocked, appalled, depressed by this. 
at Long Island University Brooklyn campus when I was in the honors program. And mind you, I came back to school when I was 23. So I was a, a full adult. And I really wanted to be there. I wanted to get work done. And, and more than anything else, I think what I wanted to do is I wanted to expand my intellectual horizons. I wanted to mm -hmm. know stuff that I did not know previously. And I found a fellow, I'm like looking around me now, like looking at, thinking about looking around at my fellow honor students and being shocked, appalled, depressed at how incurious a lot of them were. Mm. Like they were just not that interested. Like, I, I, I would have conversations around politics quite easily, and they would come down on some. Well, no, here's a, here's a better anecdote. Mm -hmm. I was taking a course with John Ehrenberg, uh, a resident Marxist scholar. Yeah, a course in the civil rights movement, which is probably the favorite course I had besides the art ones mm -hmm. in my entire undergrad tenure. Mm -hmm. And he was talking about Malcolm X, and he was talking about you know, Malcolm Little and where he came from, being a pimp and a gangster, la, 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 and how he developed his particular philosophy, which really revolved around this idea of, of 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 getting out from under white supremacy and 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 centering black life and um, valuing it and seeing it basically as under erasure by um, a white um, mm -hmm. bourgeois mm -hmm. hegemony. And and he talked about how early on in his philosophy in his in his philosophical growth, Malcolm X was essentially was doing was making these kind of essentialist moves like if you're white you are this and if mm -hmm. you're black you were that and he said like what do you call that kind of philosophy and i was like well it's racist and people in the class were like oh, this guy <laughs> is fucking god what? like like people were angry with me mm -hmm. because i said the thing that is actually logical and reasonable mm -hmm. to say but was was the thing that was not supposed to ever be admitted. And I wanted mm -hmm. to say, I wanted to say, but we're here to work through ideas. Like that's not, yeah. mm -hmm. that's, you're not, you're not on board with that. And I, I remember being consistently surprised by that throughout my entire undergrad uh, tenure, that people who mm -hmm. were in classrooms where we, it's an, I don't, I mean, I, I'm hesitating because there's so many things I want to say about this, but essentially it's, it's an incredible privilege. It is a, it is a moment in your life that you get to carve out from everything else that you have to do, where you learn as it's like this hollowed place where you just get to work through ideas. Mm -hmm. Like nobody else is asking you to do anything. Like you don't have to do any childcare right now. You don't have to blah, blah, blah. You can mm -hmm. just work through ideas and they were hostile to doing that. People stop at Malcolm at that point. We're the, we don't talk about him after Mecca. We don't talk about him leaving the um, the Nation of Islam. We don't. We don't. For me, it's changed. I think I've said this on the podcast before. It's really changed that I take away from Malcolm. You know, some of his ideas I like, some of them I didn't. But I, I respected the idea that once he started to see a larger sort of different structures around oppression and so forth, 
he wasn't doing the Nation of Islam thing. He was done. Agreed. Agreed. You know? He left. He, he, would, he, he was didn't actually. Yeah. Yeah, he, he, he was done. Yeah. He and um and um uh, Martin Luther Muhammad. King were no no he oh, and Martin oh, Luther oh. King were oh, moving were more closer to, to a broad based movement around the Poor People's Campaign and around really thinking about economics, structural as, economics. Right. Yes. Absolutely. And so people stop at Malcolm at there and they also stop at Martin at a particular point too. You agreed, know? agreed. And I think it's, the, you, this is why It was also I becoming kinda, more radical toward, I mean, it was. I think it, so, yeah. King was becoming more radical towards the end of his life. Exactly. So. And exactly. it's interesting when you think about what's radical, you think about like he, because the black church has always been central in civil rights, still is to some degree, to some mm-hmm. degree, mm-hmm. Um, that, that that's not a radical move. People think of that as a safe move because it's a religious um, institution, but it's still radical in terms of showing up and saying no, right? Mm-hmm. It, the language might be more easy to digest because people are, that's, that's by design. The, the civil rights, the modern civil rights movement was so clear about using images and language and so forth. And there were all kinds of infighting about who was going to take the lead or what kind of you know, um, pathways they would go, but Martin was becoming a little more what we would call radical, you mm-hmm. know, as opposed to, as it was just what I said. But yeah. I love this idea, Seth, about being in college. It was so exciting to be in a group of people. We would argue about mm. ideas. Mm. And you had to read. You had to read, mm-hmm. go home and read, and then you had to come back with your arguments. You had mm-hmm. to make your arguments and mm-hmm. come. And it was so much more interesting than going to class. I felt like I was going to, um, because I felt like I'm what, the last, I'm 55. I felt like I was the last generation that could get a job for 40 to 50 years. Mm-hmm. I felt like a lot of those jobs, mm-hmm. even if the jobs are there, the sensibility around, you know, I, I'll be here for five years and then I'll be over there for five years. Mm-hmm. That became more common. Mm-hmm. But, and I think it died with the, um, the industrial, uh, the industrial revolution, not the revolution, but some factories dying out in the Midwest. People moved more mm-hmm. often. Like I'm, I'm the only one in my family that moves around the country and, and, and not and internationally the way my I do. Mm-hmm. Not my family. My family cannot fathom living or seeing or being in another place mm-hmm. because of how they're conditioned. And I feel like that has largely to do with education, but also just the surrounding ideas mm-hmm. of what's possible. It's mm-hmm. not a judgment in the sense that they have a better life than I and vice mm-hmm. versa. It's mm-hmm. just what it is. Mm-hmm. And so I think about what's what's possible and what's imaginative. For example, very briefly, I went to Cuba. I might have said this on the podcast before. 2009, I, went to, I was planning to go to Cuba mm-hmm. for their um, BNL, their 10th annual BNL. Mm-hmm. And my father was going crazy. He was like, don't go there. You know, Cuba's terrible. Da, 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 da. He mm-hmm. hangs up on me after cussing me out. My sister calls crying, telling me, please don't go to Cuba. Now, neither one of them. <laughs> like, my, I'll give my father the Bay of Pigs. That's all I can give him. And even then, I'm like, dude, <laughs> that's all I can give you. And that's just being generous because, but come on. Si- that was 68. Right. But I think you... S- I don't know if your intellect stops at a particular point. I think that you can be disinterested or just right. not interested in um, taking in new ideas right. mm-hmm. at a certain point. Because then the symbols become static. The ideas yes. become static. And that's just what that is. Yes. And then with my sister, who's only two years older than me, I was like, you know, get on the Internet. Honestly. <laughs> that's it. Get on the like, Internet. Like Challenge yourself. Like, Why would I go to a place that's going to kill me? That's right. the first thing. Right. Have you? Like, <laughs> We're just like, have, basic. You, have you met me? Like I'm Stephen. Like I don't like what? Like come on. I kind of like being alive. You know. Right. Yeah, I'm yeah. good. Yeah. 
But it but it struck in me. I kept thinking about how how do people process new information? Mm. You know, and including myself, this idea of like I challenge myself to think about a, different kinds of scenarios in the world that I like to see happen, as mm. opposed to um, cyber cyberpunk or dystopian societies, mm. because it's. This is what people continue to say the failure of the left is, is that they have no other, they, a lot of them don't have any viable solutions to the very things that they're critiquing. Mm, or right. that they're just sad and or um, cynical about it. And I'm not cynical. Mm. I'm more like, no, I haven't given it a lot of thought. <laughs> yeah. I just need to do some thinking about it. Today's podcast is broken into two parts. You just listened to part one. Uh, we hope you'll join us next week for the continuation of our conversation. As always, thanks very much for listening.